a science story, huh? And I just thought, well, I figured it out. It was that golden moment because science was on my side. Hey, everybody, welcome to the Story Collider, where we bring you true personal stories about science. I am your host, Erin Barker, and this week we are sadly without Liz Neely again as she gallivants around California. <laughs> but regardless, this week we're presenting stories about leadership. So our storytellers today will be sharing stories of times when they maybe struggled to be the leader that they wanted to be, or they were thrust into a position of leadership that they weren't ready for. Uh, for me, I think this moment came when I became an instructor for an after-school storytelling program at a high school. One of my students on the first day asked me permission to go to the bathroom. I had never been asked that by another human being before. It was very disorienting. It felt like too much responsibility <laughs> for one person. I was like, oh my God, please, yes, go. <laughs> I think that our storytellers today might have some maybe more complex, significant responsibilities to share with us. Our first story is from Profound. It was recorded in August 2019 at Caveat in New York City. The theme that night was Divergence. When I was in high school, I got to do something that other young, poor, black and brown kids in New York City don't usually get to do, which is row on the Bronx River of all places. <sighs> this was the job of my dreams. I'd always kind of wanted to be an environmentalist. Never really got the opportunity because, you know, living in the inner city and they kind of exclude black and brown people from environmental fields. That's something we need to change. Anyway, um, I became super excited about this opportunity. Like, I started talking about it to everyone. I was practically knocking on doors at this point. I wanted my friends to come with me to start rowing on the river and hang out on the water with me, see all the birds and the plants and the fish and stuff. But everyone was just like, no, we're not going on a boat. I'm not trying to drown. Sorry. Eventually, I had been there by two years, and I kept begging and begging and begging. Finally, I got two of my friends, Jay and Nessa, to come with me. I kept letting them know, no one's going to drown. We're going to be totally okay. I've been here for two years now. I got this. So we're in the train. We finally get to this after-school program that I had been going to and was now an employee at called Rocking the Boat. Yeah. <laughs> Super excited, my friends are with me and I'm telling them about the river and the water and warning them about the mud so we gotta make sure we are wear our boots so we won't ruin our sneakers. And um, I see my employees and I see my boss there and I'm like, you know, hey, my friends are here, can we take them out on water? He's like, sure, okay, um, you could go out with them on your own, um, just make sure you take a radio with you and call us if you need help. I'm like, all right, cool, yes, sure do. But in my head I'm like, why would I need to call you? I, I got this, like I had told my friends, right? So we're, gra we're gathering all of the supplies that we need. We've got our life jackets and everything. We're filling out the float plan. So that's what we use to make sure we designate what time we're going out, which direction the wind is going in. And I'm making sure I'm grabbing all of our water quality testing equipment because that was something that we were doing a lot at the time was testing the quality of the Bronx River. 
there's a huge pollution issue that goes on there um, because sometimes sewer water ends up in the water, which is really unfortunate. So we're always making sure we're testing that. I have the equipment, I get my friends, we go and we grab some of our really awesome boats and then now I'm pulling them with me and I'm telling my friends about everything and they're like, whoa, 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 we're going out on the water and I keep letting them know, you know, it's gonna be great, we're having so much fun, we're pushing, we get to the bank and now we turn the boat around, we push it into water, splash! And there's a lot of people in the park and they're watching us and we have our life vests on and I'm feeling so awesome, like I'm a superhero and I'm like, yes, I get my friends into the boat and then after that I push the boat into the water and I practically leap off of the bank over my friends into the boat. Yes, that actually did happen. <laughs> and now I am way at the back of the boat, which is, um, you know, the stern. And I'm holding our <laughs> steering oar. And I'm telling my friends, look, we're here. We made it. Everybody's fine. All things are okay. My friends are like, all right. I can do this. They're, you know, their breath is slowing down. We're out, we're floating, we're cruising. Everything is chill, everything is going well. So I begin to teach my friends how to row, slowly but surely getting them into the flow of it. You know, you grab the oars, you point to your toes, make a circle, row back toward your chest like Superman and Fat Joe, lean back, you know. And um, you know, I'm filling our um, sample bottles with the water and making sure I'm getting all the tests ready. I have the water quality data collection sheets. I'm paying attention to cloud cover and everything. My friends are rowing. It's all going well. We're heading south toward the CSO. The CSO combined sewage outflow is something I mentioned earlier. What that means basically is that when it rains, because New York City's sewer system is owed, some of that sewage water will end up in the Bronx River. Not cool at all. When I tell my friends about that, they're like, ew, so you're trying to say there's, in the water, there's, yes, there is. That's why we're going over there to the TSO to test it. And they're like, okay, um, I don't know if I wanna get too close, but I'm like, we're, we're, gonna be, we're gonna be fine, I got this. We're headed to the CSO, things are going well, rowing smoothly, I'm so happy. My friends are finally here, and we're doing this important environmental work. We're testing about pollution-related issues, yes. And as we're going, I begin to realize that we're headed toward the south part of the river, toward the CSL, and the tide is also going in the same direction with us. And the wind is also going in the same direction with this. And as I'm paying attention to that fact, I realize, hey, we need to get back up north, which means when we're ready to go home, we're gonna be fighting the current, we're going to be fighting the wind. And that's not a pretty picture at all. See, there's a reason why when we fill out our float plans, we pay attention to which direction the wind is going in so that we can know that we go against it on the way toward the destination so that when we're returning home, we could just flow with it and we won't have to fight the elements on the way home. But for some reason, I let all my I got this get to my head. And now, <laughs> now we're in a situation where we could potentially be stuck on the river. And so I have to come up with what to do next. And the first thing I say is, you know what, it's gonna be fine. Hey guys, we gonna go home. What we're gonna need to do is just turn the boat around and yes, we might have to row against the wind and against the current. Excuse me, says Nessa. Are you telling me what? What exactly are you telling me? And I'm just like, it's gonna be fine. We we kind of have to row against the, the current, the wind. Um, it's, it's gonna be hard, but we can do it. I, I believe we can, we, we got this. We made it this far, right? My friends are reluctantly beginning to get in the flow of rowing and they're trying to turn the boat around. We're doing this little maneuver called the helicopter. You kind of row 
towards you in one direction and then against you in the other direction and it's all wonky and my friends do not know what they're doing at all they're they're inexperienced rowers after all but i keep trying to encourage them we're trying to turn the boat we keep trying and as we're doing so we're getting pushed further and further south now we are beyond the cso and we are headed toward the mouth of the bronx river and the mouth of the bronx river connects to the east river and the mouth of the bronx river is where there's a lot more water it's deeper it's wider the waves are choppier, which means now the boat is beginning to rock. And even though it's called rocking the boat, that's not something we actually like to do there. No. And now my friends' worst fears have been actualized. They start to get really scared and screaming and like, what's going on? I'm not trying to fall out of the boat. And I'm telling them, calm down, calm down. All we need to do is just row. We need to get back and we'll be okay. We'll be okay. And they're like, no, your boss told you to call if anything goes wrong. Call now. Call now. And I'm like, no, I got this. We don't need to call. You know what? Everybody, stop rowing. I'm just going to row us back because I've been here for several years. I got this. So I get on the oars, I'm rowing, I'm rowing, and it's against the wind and the current, but I'm going, I'm rowing, I'm rowing, I'm rowing. Power 10 is what we call it. You just put as much strength as you can into the oars. We're back past toward the CSO. So we're heading north, we're heading north. And now we've passed the CSO. We're heading north, we're heading north. And I'm super happy and I'm telling my friends, you know, there's a wall further north um, and the wall is next to the Hunts Point Industrial Market, which is where a lot of New York City's produce is being transported in and out of the city. After we pass that wall, then we'll see like a little area that has a lot of trees that's across the river from Soundview Park. And then after that is our site with Rock and Boat. We can just get back on the beach and we'll be home safely. I got this. They're like, okay, we believe you. Okay, we believe you. And I'm rowing, I'm rowing, I'm rowing. And as I'm rowing, then I start to notice down the river in the direction from which we came is a huge barge. Barges come up and down the Bronx River all the time and they are huge they're wide and they are dangerous for small little whitehall rowboats like our own you must get out of the way that is protocol and now i'm just like how could i forget to check to make sure for barges coming up and down at this time what is wrong with me because all that i got this got to my head but i say that i'm not going to let anything stop me you know so i grab my friends's attention slowly but surely and calmly telling them okay we need to row to the bank of the river, anchor there, and stop. Now, they have been facing me the entire time I'm rowing, so they don't understand why I'm telling them this until they turn around to look behind them and they notice this huge barge going toward them. And not only is the barge coming toward us, but remember, we're still fighting the wind and the current. So we're kind of actually being pushed back south toward the barge. And this is when, if my friends were screaming earlier because of the waves, no, now they were hyperventilating. It just became chaos in the boat. My friend, my friend Jay started just laughing uncontrollably out of sheer fright, sheer fright. People were falling out of their seats. That's how bad it was now. And I had to do as much as I could to just practically grab somebody by their shoulders at this point and just shake Nessa like, all right, everybody breathe. We just need to row and no one's listening. So I'm rowing the boat now at this point by myself. And people are ready to just jump out the boat and just onto the grass and then just out of the river, which you can't do, that's illegal. Stay in the boat, children. So we're, we, we're, we're close to the bank, we've anchored, and we watch the 
barge go by it's huge and it brings a lot of waves and so it has the boat rocking again and my friends are just gripping the gunnels the signs of the boat for dear life hoping they don't fall out and they're looking at me like if we do not live this i'm going to kill you and i'm just like we're gonna be okay i got this and they're like no we're not you need to call your boss they told you to call if things go wrong and i said no absolutely not i've been here for two years i wanted you guys to come here i wanted you to, sh to show you everything that i'm doing i'm not gonna give in and ask for help we're gonna be okay Okay. Finally, the barge has passed. Waves have calmed down. I start to row us, and we're trying to head back north again. We're still fighting the wind and the current. And at this point, I'm exhausted physically. And no matter what I'm trying to do to get us further north, I just can't. My arms are just now putty at this point. And I keep trying to get us north, and the wind and the current's pushing us back. Keep trying to get us north, and the wind and the current is pushing us back. And the whole time, I'm just saying, and I'm singing to myself, we're going to get okay, we're going to get there. And my friends are just like, no, 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 call your boss, call your boss, call your boss. We need help, we need help. Now, finally, I just decide, okay, I'm going to call them. I'm going to call them. Reluctantly, I reach up, and I grab the radio, which is on the label of my vest and I click it. And my arms are literally shaking. I'm just like, no, I got this. No, I need to call them. So I click it, radio check, radio check. This is Kayvon and I call my boss. I'm just like, guys, I need your help. And they're like, oh, oh, what's going on? I tell them, we're, we're really stuck. We went the wrong way and now the wind and the current's fighting us. And they're like, oh wow, okay. So we're gonna come get you guys. And I let my friends know they're coming to get us. Hooray! Yes, finally, we're going to be rescued and we'll never come back here again is basically how they're acting at this point. How could you do this to us? And the whole time, I'm just feeling like a heel. Like, my heart is just dropping, dropping, and I'm super sad, and I'm hurt. And then, to add insult to injury, one of my coworkers, once they show up to rescue us and to tether our boat to theirs, is like, hey, Kayvon, what happened? I thought you got this. I felt so bad after that. Years passed and um, I began to realize, you know, I let a lot of my confidence and excitement about being there, being an environmentalist get to my head. And I had to say to myself eventually, no matter how much knowledge you have about what you're doing, how much excitement you have about why you're doing it, you do need to be honest to your limitations. And when it comes to something so important and so vital, like trying to restore the literal planet we live on, restore the environment, we do have to make sure that we remember that we cannot do all this on our own. We do need to lean on each other and ask for help. That was Profound. Profound is a Bronx-born and raised spoken word artist, actor, writer, educator, and environmentalist. Profound's creative work is notable for its Afrocentric emphasis on audience participation and conveying moral and ethical lessons. Merging these aesthetic values into their ecological restoration work and background, Profound has been developing and workshopping a culturally responsive arts-based outdoor education pedagogy. Profound strives to ensure the full participation and autonomous leadership of marginalized communities and environmental movements. 
We actually first met Profound at one of our Oceans workshops here in New York. They showed up with flowers in their hair. They just bring such a delightful energy to everything. The Story Collider is grateful for the support of the Tiffany & Co. Foundation. And of Science Sandbox, a Simons Foundation initiative dedicated to engaging everyone with the process of science. The Story Collider is led by me, Artistic Director Aaron Barker, as well as Executive Director Liz Neely. With help from Deputy Director Nissa Greenberg, Operations Support Manager Lindsay Cooper, and the rest of our amazing team. The stories featured in today's podcast were from shows produced by Nissa Greenberg, Paula Croxon. The podcast is edited by our podcast team, including Zoe Saunders, Jun Chen, and Gwen Hogan. The theme music is by Ghost. Special thanks to Caveat for hosting these shows and to our team for their ongoing patience with my leadership. Thanks for listening. <laughs>